how to see and share Jesus from all of Scripture, well, learn with us at the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. Welcome to the Christ Center Clear podcast. We're in our second week of a series by John Aiken called How to Foolproof Your Family. Uh, this week's episode focuses on how to have a happy home. Uh, these were first preached at First Baptist Church of Naples by John Aiken. We think it'll be a help and encouragement to you as you seek to apply the truth of Christ and all of Scripture to your home. If you have a Bible, go with me to the book of Proverbs. We'll be Starting out in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 16, Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 16, we'll be jumping around to a couple of different places, so keep your Bible out, keep it handy. But when I was, when I was growing up, when I was in high school, I had a friend uh, who had everything that, that my brother and I wanted. I mean, he had all kinds of stuff. He, his dad owned all these businesses, and so he was part of a very uh, wealthy family, and so because of that, he had, when he turned 16 and got his driver's license, he got a brand new BMW as his car. And he had a big house in this really nice neighborhood. And he had a pool and lived downstairs in the basement and had a, where he could shoot pool and, and this big entertainment system where we could watch movies. And so anytime we were going to hang out with a friend or, or spend the night, we wanted to hang out at his house because he had everything. And it was a lot of fun to go over there and hang out. But when we would... Uh, we'd stay up really late, like on a Friday night, stay up two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, watching movies and hanging out. And then we would try to sneak upstairs to the kitchen and into the pantry and get, get snacks and stuff to eat uh, late at night. And what we would find when we would go upstairs and we'd sneak upstairs into the kitchen, the kitchen was kind of open toward the living room. And we would often, when we would stay at his house, we would find his mom uh, who had, had drank too much, passed out on the rug in the living room. And one of the reasons why she was so miserable and depressed is because her husband never came home. He owned all these businesses, but, but he would work all the time. He actually bought a house near where he would work, sometimes not even come home, go to that house. And so she was miserable and she would drink herself to sleep every night. And my friend was miserable, even though he had everything that you could possibly want, we would think the one thing he didn't have was a happy home. He played on the football team. He played on the basketball team. He, he acted in the school play, and his dad never showed up. His dad never came to any of the games that we played in. We, we would see his dad on a handful of occasions. He, he would say, well, you know what, guys, I know I'm not around a whole lot, but, but I am making a better way of life for my family. But his wife was miserable, and his son was miserable, and his daughter had all kinds of, of just acting out issues that uh, really were a, a strain on the family. And the truth is, the truth is that a lot of homes, even Christian homes, just really aren't that happy. There's a lot of homes where there's, there's tension all the time, and there's walking on eggshells because you don't want to upset somebody, and there's constant bickering, and there's constant nagging, and there's parents who are absent, and they're not really involved in the lives of their kids, and even in this, this kind of COVID-19 crisis that we're going through right now and families being forced to spend time together, one of the things that we're finding is that domestic abuse cases are skyrocketing. And there's all these jokes. If you go on Instagram, you'll see all these jokes that when the country opens back up, there's going to be a line out the door at divorce court 
because families and marriages are going to break up because they just don't like spending time with each other. They don't like being together. And so the question I want us to look at today from the book of Proverbs is, how can I have a happy home? Instead of letting COVID-19 destroy my family, how can I let it reprioritize my family as what's most important in my life outside of my relationship with the Lord? How can our marriage, how can our family be something not just that lasts, but something that is enjoyed? And Proverbs tells us that if we're going to have a happy home, there's three things that we need to give our kids. Three things. The first thing is we need to give our children what they really want. And I'll tell you what they want, what they really, really want, right? Like the Spice Girls used to say, they want you more than they want your money. And they want you more than the stuff that you give them. Look what the Bible says here in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 16 and 17. Solomon says, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. And then turn over to chapter 17, verse one. This is where Solomon says this. Better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Now these Proverbs are what scholars call better than sayings and better than Proverbs kind of modify conventional wisdom. And here's how they're modifying conventional wisdom. According to the book of Proverbs, money can be a good thing. Money can be a very good thing, but if you get it at the expense of your family, if you get it at the expense of the priority of your relationship with the Lord, then it is a bad thing. And so while money can be good, what's better than money is the fear of the Lord. What's better than money is a happy home. If you get money at the cost of your family, that's a bad thing. And so you get the, the kind of the imagery he's putting forth here, a meal of vegetables and stale bread with no salts where there's happiness is better than filet mignon where there's strife and there's tension. And so it's better to have little and yet the family is happy and the family is enjoyable than to have a lot where there is tension. And this is the lesson that Solomon's giving us. Give more energy, more time at spending time with your family than you do making money for your family. Give them the energy that you have and the focus that you have on loving them and spending time with them more than making money for them. Yes, you are called to provide for your kids. Absolutely. But you do not provide for them at the expense of your parenting. Your children need you. They need your time and investment in their lives. Remember when I was in high school, as a junior in high school, I had a twin brother named Nathan. And Nathan was, uh, we were playing a basketball game. We were on the, the, the varsity basketball team. We had a basketball game on Tuesday night uh, against a private school in the city of Louisville. My dad was the vice president at Southern Seminary in Louisville. And he had a meeting the night of our game when we were juniors in high school. And so he had to go to this meeting and he did what he was supposed to do at work. And then he hurried over to the gym and when he came in, it was the fourth quarter. And Nathan and I were already sitting on the bench. We'd scored over, our team had scored over 100 points. It was a blowout. And he sat down next to one of the other parents. And, and they, they said, did you just get here? And, and my dad said, yeah, I just got here. What's going on? They said, you missed it. Your son, Nathan, hit 10 three-pointers in the game tonight. Like, he broke the school record. He scored 40 points. He hit 10 three-pointers. I can't believe you missed that. And so the next day, my dad went to his boss, the president of the seminary, told him what had happened. And he said, look, 
I'm going to make you a deal. What happened last night is never going to happen again. I mean, I, I didn't really need to be at that meeting. It wasn't critical that I be at that meeting. And I'm never, ever again going to let a meeting keep me from seeing my sons play basketball. And so you do whatever you have to do. It wasn't me. He said, you do whatever you have to do. If I need to step off of the administration and just be on the faculty and just teach and take a pay cut, then, then you do that. But I'm telling you, that's never going to happen again. I'm going to prioritize being at my son's ball games, And that's what your children need, even more than your money and even more than the stuff that you give them. What they really want is you. I've never heard a testimony in over 20 years of ministry. I've never heard a testimony where somebody said, you know what? As a kid, I was miserable because my parents spent way too much time with me. But I've heard the opposite of that testimony over and over and over again. I had an unhappy childhood because my dad was never there, because my mom was never there, because my parents would not spend time with me. And so your kids, what they really want is time with you. Prioritize time with your kids. Be at their games. Go to their recitals. Go to their competitions. Set aside movie nights and game nights where you put down the phone and you're spending time with your family. Do getaways where you go on vacation and you, again, put the phone down. You're not answering email. You're not opening up the computer. You're spending time with your wife and with your children. They need you. They need quality time with you. Yes, that you're setting aside. They also need quantity time as you can, just dinner table and bedtime routine and those kinds of things. Prioritize time with your kids. Now, the other thing we see here in chapter 17, verse 1, is the picture is also of an outwardly religious family who's putting on a show, but inside the family is awful. And I've seen that happen way too much in church life where people come to church, play the game, dress up, act like everything's okay, but on the inside, they are miserable. He says there, better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting. And it's actually the word for sacrifices, a house full of sacrifices with strife. So this is a wealthy house that is able to do all the sacrifices, not, not the cheap sacrifices like birds. They're able to do all the sacrifices that the law called for, and they're putting on this large religious show of everything being okay, but on the inside, things are miserable. And here's the bottom line. Christianity that doesn't affect your daily life in the home is fake. I don't care how many Bible studies you go to. I don't care how loud you sing in worship. If it doesn't affect the way that you parent and the way that you love your spouse, it is fake. There's two things he tells us in chapter 15 and chapter 17 that are better than money. One is the fear of the Lord, your faith in God. And two is a happy home. Both of those things are better than money. And here's the other thing as we talked about last week, that, that wisdom is pointing us to the gospel of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus it's reconciling us to God, but then it's also reconciling us to others. And so the fear of the Lord, getting right with God, leads to getting right with others, starting with your family. And so the, the second thing that we see here is not only do you give your kids what they really want, you, but you give your kids what they really need, which is a parent who has put their faith and trust in God, a parent who is giving them a godly example of following Jesus. If your relationship with God leads to a right relationship with family, 
then this is what you really need to give your kids is a godly example of somebody who's following King Jesus. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 20 and verse seven. A righteous person acts with integrity. His children who come after him will be happy. The righteous person acts with his integrity. His children who come after him will be happy. Why? Because regardless of what they say, your kids watch you closely and usually will turn out just like you. Your kids watch you closely and usually will turn out just like you. Now, I know that's a, that's a scary thing to think that our kids may copy us and may end up like us, but we understand this from the time that they're little. We understand that kids want to be like their parents. Remember the story uh, when I was a, a boy, I've got, I've got three brothers. There's four boys in my family. Tim is my youngest brother. And my dad, when we were younger, was, was an avid runner. He ran marathons, uh, a marathon, and, and would run a lot. And when he did, he bought nice tennis shoes and he bought jogging shorts. And so one day he, he comes in the bedroom and he's getting ready to go for a run. And he takes off his work clothes and, and his jogging shorts had a built-in brief. And so he, he takes off his pants, takes off his underwear and puts on his jogging shorts. And my youngest brother, Tim, was looking at my dad and he said, dad, why don't you have any underwear on? And my dad said, well, because they're, they're built in like swimming trunks. And Tim said, let me see. So my dad took off the running shorts, handed them to him. Tim looked in there and said, I don't see any underwear in there. Uh, and he said, well, just take my word for it. He said, okay. So he hands them back, puts them on, goes for a run. Well, a couple weeks later on a Sunday morning, my mom was getting us ready. She got Tim ready first and then started getting the other, others of us ready. And unbeknownst to my parents, Tim went up into his room, took off his dress pants, took off his underwear, put his dress pants back on, buckled his belt, and got in the van to go to church. And when he walked into his Sunday school class, he looked at his teacher and she said, Tim, how are you doing today? And he said, I'm doing great. I don't have any underwear on. My dad doesn't wear underwear and I don't have to wear underwear either. And needless to say, that caused an interesting conversation with the Sunday school teacher when my parents picked Tim up. But we understand kids when they're little, they follow their parents' example. They want to be like their parents. But that's also true as you grow up. And here's the bottom line. If you are happy, wise, and godly, usually your children will turn out happy, wise, and godly as well. You do have massive influence over your kids, whether you think you do or not. Now, here's the, the warning. Children are incredible hypocrisy detectors. They will see and they will know if your actions don't match up with your words. And too many times I've seen this where parents try to say one thing and do another. I, I've ministered to parents in churches who are just grief stricken because they have college age or young adult children who don't go to church anymore, want nothing to do with Jesus, want nothing to do with Christianity. And I've had to look at them and say, listen, I, I, I know we've had some interaction. You've gone home from church for the last 20 years complaining about everything, complaining about the preaching, complaining about the singing, complaining about the way things go. Don't you think your children heard what you were saying? And don't you think that you communicated to your children that church really isn't worth going to because of the way that you co constantly complained about it? And so children are incredible hypocrisy detectors. What example are you setting for them when it comes to church involvement? Is it a glad, wonderful example that you're setting for them? Or are you setting for them the example, you know, church is something that 
When it's not the way I want it to be, then I complain and I do something else. Are you communicating to them that church is a priority? Are you communicating to them that reading the Bible and prayer is a priority? What kind of example are you setting for them and all the other things that Proverbs talks about? How to use money, how to love your spouse, how to control your tongue, how to have a hard work ethic, how to be generous. How, what example are you setting for your children? Will your example successfully transmit the faith? Because here's the bottom line. The goal of Christian parenting is not Christian children. The goal of Christian parenting is Christian grandchildren. That you, by your godly example of following Jesus, are passing down the faith generation after generation after generation. And godly examples create happy homes for generations to come. And so give your children what they really need, a parent who is deeply in love with Jesus Christ. And then number three, finally, give your children what will really last. Give your children what will really last. And the bottom line is that what will really last, what the difference between happiness and sadness in your family is, do you pass on wise instruction to your children? Listen to what the Bible says. And this is just one verse of many that you can read throughout the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 10, verse one, the Proverbs of Solomon A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Bottom line between gladness and sorrow is, are you instructing your children in wisdom? That's the whole point of the book. The whole point of Proverbs really is Solomon is putting into practice Deuteronomy chapter six. In Deuteronomy chapter six, Moses, the law, God tells the people through Moses, listen, You're to instruct your children in the things of God when they wake up, when they walk in their way, and when they lie down. So throughout all the day, you are to instruct your children. And Solomon here in the book of Proverbs is is applying Deuteronomy 6. He's teaching him, my son, do this. My son, hear this. My son, listen to this. And the instruction he's giving them isn't separated out into sacred teaching and secular teaching. There is no sacred secular divide. Everything that you do in life is before the Lord. And so he's teaching them everything. Here's the difference between right and wrong. Here's how you need to lean on the Lord in faith. Here's how you need to use money. Here's how you need to control your tongue. This is the way that life works best. And I'm so thankful for a a parents who gave me something in terms of wise instruction that really has lasted in my life and has really had lasting effect uh, on me because they taught me the way that life really works. I remember when I was in middle school, uh, I decided I was going to run track so that I could just stay in shape between basketball and basketball season ended and then before football season came. I did track for a couple weeks, and I thought, man, this is awful. I don't like just running for nothing, and so I want to quit. And I told my parents, I want to quit the track team. And they said, not an option. You're not going to get to quit. We don't quit. And I can't tell you what kind of impact that had on my life as I went through school, as I've gone through training, as I've gone through family and, and what, you know, all the difficult things of life that are a challenge and that take work, we don't quit at them. We stay at them. And so what's going to really last for your children is, are you giving them wise instruction in how life really works? This is what you are called to. One example, let me give you one example that's very clear in the book of Proverbs is the issue of intimacy and marriage and unfaithfulness outside of marriage, okay? That is something that is 
talked about over and over again in the book of Proverbs. We talk in America about having the talk with your children, but in Proverbs, it's like talks. It's an ongoing discussion over and over again that Solomon is talking about. And I just want to prepare you. Next week, that's what we're going to talk about from Proverbs chapter five. Now, the reason why we're going to talk about this from Proverbs chapter five is because the Bible talks about it everywhere. I know Christians can kind of get weird and like, let's not talk about that. And, and that's a taboo subject. And it's better for my kids not to hear about that. But here's the bottom line. If, if you're not talking with your children about intimacy and marriage, then you're obviously not reading the Bible with them because the topic comes up over and over again. I'm thankful I was raised in a home of a dad who, who preached and wrote a book on the Song of Solomon. And so he was talking about this at age-appropriate levels with us over and over and over again as we were growing up. And so next week, we're going to talk about this. You have time. If you want to make arrangements for your kids, I promise I'll be PG. But if you want to make arrangements for your small kids, don't want them to hear, um, then, then you have a week's notice and you understand that. But I would encourage you to have them be there and, and at an age-appropriate level, start to talk to them because here's the bottom line. You are the one called to instruct your children in wisdom and you need to be the authority on this topic with your children because if you're not, guess who's gonna be? Their peers or their telephone and those are both really bad options. And so you parent are called to be the one who is responsible for instructing your children in wisdom. You can't farm out instruction and say, I don't instruct, that's what daycare does. I don't instruct, that's what teachers do. I don't instruct, that's what youth pastors do. No, that's your role first and foremost. Those other people can come alongside you and aid you, but your role is to be one who is a teacher. And so you do Deuteronomy 6, when they get up, when they walk in the way, when they lie down, I think that's one of the reasons why the book of Proverbs, when you get to chapter 10, is just random. It's just random. It's like, here's how you use money, and here's how you control your tongue, and here's how you have a hard work ethic, and here's how you be a good friend. And, and it's just over and over again, just different things, because the way that we teach our kids is not Monday, sit down, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about money. Tuesday, sit down, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about being a friend. And Wednesday, you sit down, I'm going to tell you, no, no, we have hundreds of different topics that we cover in a given day. And so you just need to be ready, both in unscheduled, as they're asking questions, as you're watching something, as you're interacting, what are they talking about? Be ready un in an unscheduled way to be able to just to teach and to talk to them about what is on their heart at the time. And then you come back with scheduled times of eating dinner together and, and doing a, a bedtime routine where you read the Bible and you pray with them before they go to sleep. And so unscheduled and scheduled, you're instructing your children in the things of the Lord. One of the ways this happened for me when I was a kid was on Saturday morning, uh, even when I was really, really little, the, my three brothers and I would watch college football all day long with my dad. And as we watched college football all day long with my dad, we talked about a hundred different things, not just sports, but life. And so spend time with your kids. And then as the conversations come up, be instructing them in the things that really will last. Now, let me close with this. You say, John, I mean, what do I do if I've already blown it? I mean, I, I've not given my kids what they really want. I, I've not spent the time with them that I should. I've not given my kids what they really need. I've not set a great example. I've not given my kids what will really last. I'm not instructing them in the things of the Lord. What, what do I do? Well, the first thing that you do is you say you're sorry. I mean, you just confess that to your children. 
Now, I, know, I, I hear parents all the time who say, man, I can't tell my kids I'm sorry. I can't confess something to my kids. That's a sign of weakness. No, no, you're weak because you're refusing to acknowledge what is true. And your kids won't see it as a sign of weakness if you look them in the eye and say, sweetheart, I'm so sorry I've not been there for you. I want you to forgive me. And I want you to know I'm committed right now to doing what you really want and doing what you really need. And so you just start with recognizing you've blown it. That's okay. There's forgiveness from God. There's forgiveness, there's forgiveness for your children. It's never too late. Start from this point forward and commit. Okay, I'm not gonna be perfect at it. There's gonna be times where I fall short, but I'm committing that I'm gonna give this a go. And when I fail, I'm gonna confess my sin one to another and I'm gonna get forgiveness from God and I'm gonna get forgiveness from you. But wherever you are, start right now. Prioritize family. Start godly habits. They're gonna leave a good example to them and talk to them about the things of the Lord. Because here's the good news. We talked about this last week. We've all fallen short, but we've got a king who didn't fall short and who offers us forgiveness for our sin and offers to make us wise. And so come to the Lord Jesus and today, basing your family on King Jesus and what he has done for you, you can begin to live this out because we have a king who gave us what we really want. He gave us himself. And we have a king who gave us what we really needed. He showed us the path of godliness. And we have a king who gives us what will really last. He's given us wise instruction in the Bible that will last into eternity. And so let's center our families on him. Thank you for listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or texts you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com and please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources.